2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show plan for you. We're going to talk tonight about something very important, probably something that people would at some point, if not always, deem to be the most important factor in life, their life, in the world. Drum roll. It's the H word, Happiness. What is this thing that we are talking about, seeking, always trying to achieve, reach, live in? Gonna talk about a bunch of research in happiness studies, AKA the science of happiness. I'm pulling together um, a lot of different work from a lot of different sources, so um, woo, what a journey we're gonna go on. But this is stuff that's really important and meaningful, and just to kind of frame it, I think it's really important for us to have a working definition of what is this thing that all, all of us culturally hold so dear. It's something that everyone talks about. It's a, something that's equated often very much with happiness, but even more so with a life well-lived, you know, with quality of life. Um, in fact, and I referenced this once prior, there is a there is a place, a far-off place, Bataan. And of course, they you know, they have their own issues, but they have the Gross National Happiness Index. What? Yes, that's right. They care about the happiness of those that live there, more so than the gross domestic or national product, money, income, capitalism, productivity. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So what is this happiness? Um, The thing about happiness is that the way we've culturally uh, really gone about seeking it is wrong. It's the wrong goal, the wrong path, and it's a severe misunderstanding of what happiness is really about. So we're going to drop deep into that. It's going to be good stuff. Um, The thing is, is when we talk about true happiness, it's not something that's dependent upon circumstances. Now, again, as always, mental health is about neither denying or illegitimizing emotions and feelings. It's also not about the amplifying, dramatizing, or acting out of feelings either. It's about the middle. So it's not a denial that things will happen But at its core, happiness is not dependent on circumstances. That's the good news, that it doesn't have to be about or rooted in what you have or don't have or what's going on around you, although that matters. We're never trying to deny that. We're not doing toxic positivity where you're supposed to, while, you know, in a boat that's on fire that's sinking, have a smile on your face and say, ah, happiness. No. No. We're not saying that, live in reality, always. Uh, Feel your feelings, but the beautiful thing is it's not dependent upon anything. It's not about finances, it's not about what you have. Now, of course, I wanna call out that having your basic needs met is the assumption we're going off of. If you don't have your basic needs met, it's not really possible or, or important to think about these other philosophical concepts. We want everyone to have secure and safe housing. We want everyone to have access to food, and healthcare, and all of that will determine how safe and content you feel in the world and in the life you live. So that matters. We're kind of building upon that and we're assuming that all those needs are met, which isn't the case for everyone. So I just wanna kind of call that out. Just like when I talk a lot about relational skills and how to be a good partner, the assumption is that you're not with someone who is abusive or toxic. And if you are, you have to focus on removing yourself from that, you know? so again, you know, we are very achievement and goal oriented. I, I, I was sharing a story back, uh, I think this was right after New Year's, or maybe even again soon after. And I was saying how um, I was away, and everyone was going around and talking about what their New Year's goals were. And everyone had something that was very goal or achievement driven or based, you know, as I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to acquire this, I want to achieve this, I want to work towards that. And I was saying, I'm working on contentment. I'm working on being happy with exactly where I am with what I have and people's minds were like blown. They're like, Oh, okay. But you don't have any goals. You're not trying to, no one could conceive of the idea of just being happy with where you are and not trying to achieve more or wanting any more. Um, Is that a place of privilege in some ways, but it really depends. I'm just in a place where I don't want to do much more. I've achieved all I want to career-wise, you know, books, television, radio show, podcast, um, like where my clinical practice is at. I don't want to see any more patients than I'm seeing. And uh, I'm focusing on just being thankful for what I have and just really enjoying what I have, resting more, doing more things that are rooted in pleasure and leisure. Um, I'm good. I don't want to have to, you know, make my goal or, you know, my happiness achievement based and say, I need to write another book. I need to expand my practice. I need to buy, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to get caught up in that. I'm happy with where I am. I'm working on being content with what I have. And there's something really beautiful in that. But again, our culture is very achievement based. And we have what we call toxic self-help culture, toxic self-improvement culture, where we have this idea that we always have to be working on ourselves. Well, yes and no. (laughs) We also want to focus on contentment and being happy with where we are. Are. My point in all this is again just calling out and challenging this idea that happiness is about goals or achieving something. Because, in fact, as we're going to talk about, the research shows us that that actually has but a temporary impact positively on happiness. And then at some point, it always goes back to a baseline. These are bleeps on the screen. And that's the difference between joy, which are bursts of happiness, and true happiness which is more lower level and contentment We talked a little bit about this before but we're going to kind of drop deeper into it and hit it from a different angle because um, i've been doing a lot more research so uh, stick around more to come you're listening to love line with dr chris on channel q and odyssey y'all will be right back don't go anywhere
0: call from mom answer it call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com
3: Oh, well, Rachel, we're back and we're looking at the uh, science of happiness. Some new research, what it tells us. Um, This is a little bit of my own meta-analysis, bringing together a couple of different research pieces. Um, You know, again, we are raised to think culturally that happiness is about goals and achieving things and what you have. It's not true at all. In fact, those things create a short-term elevation in happiness. And then you go back to your baseline. And that's research that's been done with lottery winners, where there's a spike in joy, you know, for a short period of time. And then they just start living at a certain standard and it just becomes who they are and how they live. And happiness decreases there's a baseline um, i've given this example before but i'll use it again because it's most relevant and meaningful to a lot of people you get a new car it's your baby You clean your feet before you get in there no one's eating in my car it, you know it makes you so happy when you climb in but what happens weeks in it doesn't have that impact anymore you're too familiar with it the novelty we're off you look at your car and it doesn't really generate any happiness for you and you're kind of like "Eh, you can sit in there with that hot dog it's okay if you spilled coffee i'll just wipe it up later you go back down to a baseline And then you're like, oh, what do I need? Oh, oh, I need new shoes. Yeah, I need new shoes. Oh, I'm so happy. Look at these new shoes. Same thing happens. In the beginning, you're cleaning them. No one step on them. You're careful where you wear them. You're like feeling great because you're walking around in them. Days or weeks later, you're just like, eh, that's cool. That happens with everything because we can't purchase our way to happiness. It is not about how many shiny things you own, but some people get trapped in that. they're always purchasing the new iPhone, new sneakers, new car, new this, new that. They're chasing happiness and confusing little bursts of joy that a new wallet or a new whatever can give you, but you don't ever find that longer sustainable thread of happiness. Okay. So here's what I love. Um, Couple different entry points to look at this, and they all sound distinct, but they all kind of fit together into a big puzzle piece. So, the languaging I'm about to use matters. There are three factors that have the greatest influence on happiness. Okay, three factors. These are very um, personality driven. So, these are factors that are specific to how someone maybe lives in the world or moves through the world. It's kind of uh, looking at their lens. Okay. And then we're going to hit it from a couple different angles. We're going to put the pieces together and together they form happiness. So the three factors that have the greatest influence on increasing happiness, the first one is the ability to reframe situations positively. Now, a lot of people immediately hear that as posit- you know, toxic positivity, find the gift in it. There's always a silver lining. Well, is that what they're saying? Yes and no. Because again, the research doesn't care what it means, what the impact is, they're just showing you what is. And of course, if someone's able to reframe any and every situation positively, yeah, that's gonna make them happy. Of course, because that's literally the narrative they're placing on things. Two things that we have to consider within that. Not everyone is living a life where that's possible because sometimes things happen in our lives that are just all bad and there's nothing positive to be learned in it. Or at least you're not in a place where you're ready to consider the positives in it. We talked on another show about post-traumatic growth, which is the acknowledgement that sometimes out of a trauma, growth can occur. That doesn't mean we're thankful for what happened, although some people are. It doesn't mean we we want to have had whatever it was that occurred for these forms of growth, or maybe for some people they do. It's just saying that that's a possibility, that trauma isn't always something that leaves you worse off. That's all it's saying. It's not saying what to do about that, it's not shaming anything, it's just acknowledging. Same thing here. So what does that mean? Well, I want people, as I said earlier, to feel their feelings, but we also want to live in reality. And rarely is it true that all things are horrible. Like I say all the time on the show, you start your morning by spilling your coffee. You can't say the whole day's ruined. That's not rooted in reality. And that's not true. Good things are still going to be occurring as you're spilling coffee on yourself and good things will still continue to occur that day. But we have this thing called neurology and whatever we focus on is what we're going to feel. And that's how the whole world's going to see seem to us. So if you only focus on the negatives, such as the thing, the coffee you spilled, and then the fact that you had trouble carrying whatever you're carrying out to your car and whatever else is going on, if you're only focusing on the negative, well, then that's all you're going to feel. And the whole world is going to seem negative to you. So that is not realistic because we have to take in totality. It's also, to get very hyper-intellectual, called seeing things as whole objects. comes out of psychology, the field of object relations. We like to see things as part objects and that means it's all good or all bad we struggle as humans to hold opposites and there's a whole beautiful field called dialectical behavioral therapy rooted in the eastern philosophical concept of dialectics what does that gigantic word jumble mean it means something very simple it means that two opposites can exist and be true at the same time. You can both be having a horrible morning and a great morning. I could both be getting a phone call about an amazing um, uh, opportunity while spilling coffee on myself. I could have just spilled coffee on myself and five hours later get asked out by my crush. Both are happening, good and bad. We like to see people as all good or all bad. We sh- we struggle to realize that the best friend who we love is also the someone, the same person who works our nerves and annoys us. We have to live more in reality. And that's what it's saying one of the greatest influences one of the greatest factors that influence happiness is your ability to reframe a situation positively. I'm going to translate that and say it's rooted in your ability to actually live in reality, which is that good and bad are happening at the same damn time. I'm upset about what's going on with Roe V Wade. I'm upset what's going on with the APA and, um, Climate change and environmental protections getting rolled back, but that doesn't mean the whole world is going to crap and on fire. There are at the same time some really beautiful positive things occurring as well. We have to live more in reality because the world as you see it is how the total world feels and if you're only focusing on what's wrong or bad or negative, then that is how the world is going to seem and you're not going to be able to feel happy. So that is one of three important factors that influence happiness, your ability to see the reality that I can have had a bad morning, but that doesn't mean the day is bad and more is to come that I can be upset with someone and angry at them and also love them because they're also my best friend that I can be upset with a lot of different things going on culturally or in the world or in the country, but there are also some positive, beautiful, beneficial things happening at the same time. It is, the it is, that is the core of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the number one gold standard, most empirically validated psychological theory and intervention. It's also the core of DBT, which is one of the most powerful skills we have. These are things that are also born out of Eastern philosophy, which is far older than American psychology. We'll be back. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, All we're back and we're looking at the science of happiness we know that it's not about what you own it's not about getting a new car and the gym body you wanted and losing weight and achieving advancements at work those things will give us bursts of joy it is not sustainable we know that there are three factors that the research shows us have the greatest influence on happiness and increasing happiness and the one we were just talking about is the ability to reframe situations realistically even positively And to really honestly step back and think about our thinking and acknowledge the reality of what's going on. It is not a horrible day because something went bad in the morning. Just because someone you love upset, you does not mean they're a horrible human being. Just because you're upset about a few things going on culturally doesn't mean the whole world is going to crap and on fire. We have to hold all things, even things that are the opposites, the tension of holding opposites. That is a core part of mental health, the ability to do that. What's really interesting is all of this parallels DBT and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, dialectical behavioral therapy, which are two of the most um, world-renowned, well-researched, well-written about, most utilized interventions. And very much does this research align with that. Also, a lot of this is born out of what we know from Eastern philosophy, which has been around and is more robust than American psychology has ever been. American psychology is about 100, 120 years old. This is stuff that goes back thousands upon years ago. This is also neurologically validated. Um, And at some point, I want to bring that in. I don't know if we're going to get into today's show, but we understand how this all works neurologically as well. So the first factor was the ability to reframe situations positively. The second factor is very much tied to that. And again, these are the greatest factors that influence happiness. The second one is the ability to experience gratitude, meaning to be thankful, to not always be focused on what you don't have or what you want, which is how some people live. Again, they're not able to just be content with what they have. They want the newer, the bigger, the shinier, the faster, the harder, the faster. It doesn't work like that. That is keeping us on a perpetual hamster wheel, always desiring, always grasping for. If we learned only one thing from Eastern philosophy, it's that that is the root of suffering. Always desiring and searching and trying to achieve something. And that it goes against our American values, where we're always trying to work harder, do more, be optimized. That is not happiness. That's actually called. Burnout. That's called mental illness. Happiness is contentment, being like, I'm cool where I'm at. I don't need much more. There can be things I would like and I can try to achieve things, but I'm not going to be dependent upon it. I'm not going to be completely obsessed with it. It'd be cool if it happened. I can work towards it. This also goes with what I keep saying, to nauseam. Work 70% max stop giving anything 100 percent. that is burnout that is too much let's be more content let's say things like that was good enough I've, I've done i've done enough today i've done enough at the gym i've cleaned enough i've done enough labor and exertion today 70 percent. i'm gonna rest now i'm gonna have leisure now i'm gonna build in some joy now that parallels the experience, the ability to experience gratitude. We have to be able to take time to celebrate and be thankful for who we are and what we have. Otherwise, what are we doing? Why are we even trying to achieve and and accomplish things? If we don't ever even take a moment to sit with them and say, look at what I've done. Look at this house I get to live in. Look at this pool I get to spend time in because I'm staying at this hotel. Look at this best friend I get to have in my life. Look at whatever it is, we have to be able to be thankful. I want more people to celebrate themselves. I want more people to post on their Facebook, I'm proud of what just happened in my life. Look at what I've done, look at what I've created. I want us to celebrate more. So again, the first factor that increases happiness is the ability to reframe some things positively or to see them realistically. Then it's the ability to experience gratitude, to be thankful for some things. We can't always be living in desire and want. That will burn you out. That's exhausting. That's also ego. Most of us have everything we need. We don't need a new cool fall fashions. We don't need, most of us, we don't need a new cell phone. We don't necessarily need new sneakers. We have have enough sneakers. Our cell phone that we have now is good enough. We're working towards good enough. The, the, The work I put in today, good enough. That's what we're trying to do. We can't always be pushing ourselves. And then the final factor, I love this one, that has a great influence on happiness is, I love their wording, the choice, a choice you make. The choice to be kind and generous. It's not about getting, it's about giving and people hate hearing that happiness is not about what you can get or what's in it for you. Happiness is about what you can offer and provide for others. Pretty much every spiritual, um, philosophy is rooted in that Christianity. If it's good, healthy Christianity is rooted in that Buddhism is rooted in that. And even Eastern, um, even Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah is rooted in that. How can we be better for other people? How can we let go of our own attachments and greed? How can we instead be generous? Greed is the number one thing that leads to suffering, greed. Wanting more, demanding more, working for more. The opposite of greed, the antidote, is generosity how can we give more how can we be better for others how can we offer and live more in compassion and kindness that is how we get happy so if you're miserable say to yourself how can i be there more for others how can i do more for others how can i get out of my own head thinking i need to consume or own more that's consumerism that is not the key to happiness there's not one study that says happiness is tied to consumption and shopping more and buying more and having the newest latest coolest no, it's the opposite. It's, it's the opposite. We're focusing on positive thinking, experiencing gratitude, and focusing on more compassion and kindness towards others and ourselves. All right, we're going to come back, do some DMs, and then we're going to keep talking about the science of happiness. Stick around, y'all. Listen to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. Now it's time to... Uh... Slide into those DMs.
4: Sliding into the DMs.
3: Bam, here we go. DMs come from our Loveline IG page in the DMs, hence the name. Hey, Dr. Chris, I listened to your segment on the news and mental health, and I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. See, I love this. I love thoughtfulness, <laughs> critical reflection. Uh, do you think that in just turning off the news and ignoring it, that it helps or hurts? I struggle between the idea that I want to know everything that's going on and then wanting to know nothing about what's going on. I also can't imagine being uninformed about events in politics, but the stress and depression some days is just so high. Took the words out of my mouth. Uh, You and I live in the same dilemma. But just to clarify, I never said turn off the news and ignore it, meaning... let's, you know, I never said it in such a globalized way. I I think I was most likely referencing that we need to take some time away from it and that there are times when we maybe should, uh, lean out, you know, not ignore, not deny, but, uh, distract, you know, focus on some other things because remember we can't live in a constant state of fight or flight. And that is what happens to our brains and our nervous system. Uh, when we are constantly focusing on listening to Uh, reading about, watching, or participating in the news and politics and activism and um, things that are centered around that. Because a lot of times the politics are about people questioning the worth of different individuals and very violent acts and uh, and what I mean by violent acts is, you know, saying that it's not okay to recognize or acknowledge gayness in school. It's a violent act to take away someone's body autonomy and right to an abortion. I'm not pro-choice, I'm pro-abortion. That's right, because that's something that is necessary for a lot of people, and I want that option to be available and not stigmatized. And that is keeping our brains and our nervous systems in a constant state of stress, and that's really bad for us. So, yes, we do need to track how much time we're spending apart, you know, participating in that. Side note, I want, I actually want everyone to acknowledge that in terms of everything, you know, Uh, I want everyone to always be assessing the impact uh, that their social group is having on them, the conversations that their friends have, you know, what are the kinds of things that you're talking about when you're around friends and family and how does that make you feel? Is it something that's violent, exclusionary towards you, towards people you care about, the things you follow on social media? I mean, I have shared this on the show before. I'm so thoughtful about what I listen to, what I read, what I watch, because I want to participate in an alternative world. I want to live in the, I want to live in the kind of world I want to be a part of, and I want to uh, uh, move through the world in the way that I think is necessary. And we know from all the queer bipoc uh, you know people that have really influenced me and have helped open my eyes to what you know the work is that we need to plant the seeds of the future we want to have and we need to be a part of the change that we want to see. And that's really important. And I'm very thoughtful about, like I said, the things that I saturate my psyche in because I want to be surrounded by the kinds of thoughts and thinkings and ethics that I want to embody and I want reinforced and and to circle back. So do pay attention to the influences that are around you and the news is a really powerful one. I watch the news every morning and every afternoon because like yourself, I really want to be aware of what's happening. I want to be educated. And I also want to then be able to translate that into action and I also want to educate others based on what I'm aware of. Uh, but I do need to take time away, as do you. And we're not ignoring it. We're just honoring that. Yes, that's there. Because remember, it's like emotions. We don't want to ever deny or illegitimize emotions. But we also don't ever want to amplify and dramatize them. We want to kind of sit in the middle and be like, yeah, there they are. And I'm going to feel them fully. But... Um, we don't always need to act them out, and sometimes we need time away. And I've said to clients and friends, "Hey, we've been ruminating on your breakup. Let's, for instance, let's now just kind of focus on something fun, or we've, that was a really hard day. Let's watch a movie and zone out. Uh, it's okay to take time apart and away from. In fact, that's how we have sustainability. There's such a thing as compassion fatigue and vicarious retraumatization, or I'm sorry, vicarious traumatization. And c- compassion fatigue means the exhaustion that arises." Uh, by always sitting in this stuff and offering yourself to others. And, and that comes up with a lot of activists and helpers, people in the helping field. And then vicarious traumatization means you are traumatized by sitting with and listening to and watching other people's trauma. That That's not gonna help us if all of us are constantly living in those detrimental states. So we want to acknowledge it and be a part of it and take action always, but we also need to do some self-care, which is often time you know away from. And so it's about just checking in with yourself. Am I feeling a little too stressed and overwhelmed? Maybe take the day off from the news. or watch it and then watch the clock and do an equal amount of things that are joyful and feel good. You know, but that's an awesome question. We'll keep talking about it. All right, y'all stick around. we got a whole lot more to come because you are listening to Love Lab with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. All right, y'all we're back and we're talking about the science of happiness. Um, earlier in the show, we were talking about the three factors that research show Shows has the greatest influence on increasing happiness, uh, thinking realistically and positively, uh, experiencing and having gratitude for what we already have, AKA contentment and also making the choice to live in kindness and generous and generosity, uh, less greed, more giving and being there for others. Um, yeah, now we shift gears a little bit to another lens and perspective and all these things fit in together. And I love that. Um, There was a lot of research I was reading that was talking about how we tend to try to access happiness through our senses. We think it's about what we're looking at, what we're smelling, what we're eating, and what we have. Again, this obsession with materialism, consumerism, consumption, purchasing. And it's saying to us, true happiness doesn't come in through the senses. Those things only give us temporary bursts of joy, eating something delicious, seeing something beautiful, hearing something you know? And again, there's nothing wrong with that. I advocate for that all the time. That part of self-care is joy and pleasure. Eating that donut because it tastes delicious and it gives you two minutes of joy. That is worth and value. But it's gone afterwards and it's supposed to be. It has diminishing returns. That joy doesn't stay with you for the next couple hours or days, aka happiness. It gives you joy for a few seconds, not happiness, which is longer term, ongoing. Our senses will only give us access to joy. And if you think about it, like I said, anything we have, it can give us pleasure as, as because it's brand new, but then we get familiar with it. You know, once you get that new painting, that new piece of art, Um, whatever it is you have around your home, the new rug, you stop noticing it. It stops having the capacity to generate pleasure for you. It just becomes that same old dirty rug that now you're wearing your dirty shoes on. It becomes that same old painting that you've passed in the hallway a billion times. I always think about that when I travel to an exotic location. I don't like the word exotic. I take that back. When I travel to a location that's different from mine and I will notice the sunset, the beauty of the beach, the, the, the ocean. And I, and I recognize that most of the people that live there start to take it for granted. They become too familiar. They're no longer able to stop and really say, wow, look at what I get to look at every single day, unless they remind themselves to. Because anything that becomes pattern or a habit or too familiar, we can lose the ability to objectively step back and really see its value, which goes back to where we talked about earlier, focusing on experiencing gratitude still. What do you have gratitude for? What can you remind yourself to find happiness in? But we're focusing right now on how our senses can only give us momentary joy. The things you eat, the things you buy, the things you wear, the things you see, things you can hold in your hand are only going to give you bursts of joy. They will never be the things that give you long-term happiness, but the people that don't want to accept that, that's why they're always buying a new home, redecorating, always shopping, always trying to purchase new things to keep these moments of joy going. Burst, 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 burst. Every time they, they pay for something, burst. Every time they consume something, another burst. But that all decreases. And at some point, they're just sitting there on their couch at 10 o'clock at night being like, who cares about these sneakers? My car's out back, who cares? And it's gone because happiness doesn't come in that way. Why drumroll? Because the work is about mental happiness, not physical, objective, material consumerist happiness. And there's a difference between physical happiness and mental. And we're going for the mental. The physical is always brief. We it comes in through our senses. What we can pay for, what we can hold, what we can own, what we can touch—materialism—and that's very dependent on the external. Where mental happiness, which is where we really get it, it's longer lasting. It's internal, so it's always with us. It's not dependent on owning things or circumstance. And we get it through love, compassion, and generosity. So if you're miserable, focus more on compassion and generosity that's shocking to people they're like it's not about what I own it's not about buying more things it's not about a promotion at work it's not about new sneakers it's not about losing weight at the gym and drinking the kool-aid and getting a gym body no none of those things will give you long-term ongoing happiness but we have the fantasy that that they do we really do believe if we had a different body we'd be happier no you won't all those people are in my, my office as patients still struggling with the same issues because that fades we think if we made a ton more money or we were more famous or had a better job We'd ha- be happier. Nope. All those wealthy, successful, famous people are also in my practice, still struggling with the same stuff. Because the research is true. It's not about what you own or have. It's not about the external. It's not about how you look. It's not about your body shape or size. We we have a fantasy that it is. That's wrong. It's about the internal. Are you able to have gratitude for what you have? Are you able to see the positive things that are existing at all times in your life? Are you able to be kind and generous? It's an internal shift, and a lot of people don't like that answer. They want to just keep shopping online. They want to just keep going to the gym, whatever it is. And they wonder why they're just not happy. And that's why we have to do the internal work. All right, we're going to come back and talk more about this. Later, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM first, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you uh, want answered. Always anonymous, always confidential. You're helping someone else as you're helping yourself out because someone else is wondering the same thing you're wondering about. So put those questions in there. That's the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Topics as well because we love to hear from you. Get your needs met, whatever you're wondering about, put it in there and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. Lots of good stuff. But more importantly, don't go anywhere because we're gonna keep talking about the science of happiness. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. More to come, y'all, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about the science of happiness. And just kind of, again, getting away from the external and the material and the things we can perceive and engage with our senses, those things will give you momentary bursts of joy. Awesome. Enjoy that. But they won't give you long-term happiness. It doesn't work like that. It's the internal. External circumstances, what you own, what you buy, what you have, isn't ever going to create that shift in the way that you think it will. And that's why people stay on the hamster wheel. They keep trying. I'm just going to, I'm going to buy the right thing. It's going to make me happy. Well, for a few moments, maybe a few hours, maybe for like a few days, but we know from all the research, that baseline, you hit it because everything just becomes the same old, same old. You can't purchase your way to happiness. And that's as evidenced by the fact that people that are very wealthy, very famous are still struggling with the same mental health issues. It's just different. Um, we create most of our own suffering because our mind has a negativity bias and that's why part of the work of happiness is being able to also focus on gratitude and what's happening that is positive. Because that's what happens also with depression. People have a negativity bias and they're not, you know, about self, other, and the future. And they're not really rooted in the reality that, yeah, those things are happening, but at the same time, other things are happening. And we still do maybe have some opportunities. It's just not a full, well rounded perspective. And whatever we focus on is what we're going to believe and what we're going to feel. So we have to challenge that. So again, we create most of our own suffering with these negative tendencies. We have to learn how to think about our thinking. You have to be able to call out, I'm having the thought that, wow, my thinking is completely skewed and negative. What else might be going on that challenges that? That is the work of mental health. You have to learn how to do that. And you learn how to do that by practicing. Pay attention to your thinking. Track it. The quality of your practice of things like that is the quality of your life and your mental health. There's no way around it, even with medication. Medication cannot make the necessary life changes that you need to be happy. It can only shave off some of the sharp edges so you can do that work and find that motivation, but it's not going to put a smile on your face. It doesn't work like that. Um, another important part of that that shows where we create some of our own suffering is our emotional reactivity. We need to learn how to regulate ourselves and stay Calm. What does that mean? It means learning how to meet everything with ease, not battling everything. Someone cuts you off. Let it go. The line is longer than you wanted. Let it go. Stop battling the fact that the line is too long. It ain't changing. Stop battling and getting upset that someone cut you off. It already happened. Move on. We have to learn how to allow We have to go into acceptance. That doesn't mean you're signing off or saying something's okay, but it's choosing to not battle. Some people battle everything. They don't know how to meet things with ease, how to let things go. If you can change something, great, do it calmly. But if you can't let it go, you can't change that the line's too long. You can't change that someone cut you off in traffic. You can't change that someone showed up late. Meet it with ease. That's your mantra. Meet things with ease. Learn how to let things go. That is part of how we create our own suffering. Suffering. that's huge because our happiness is rooted in our attitudes our perspectives and our reactions and those are the things that we choose to bring to situations and relationships those are choices and that's why it goes back to what I was saying in the earlier segments it's about your ability to have some positive thinking It's about your ability to have some gratitude. Those are important factors of happiness. It doesn't matter what you own or what you buy. It's that third statement. You have to choose generosity and kindness. So remember, the problem is if you're so focused on the externals, what's going on in your life, how much money you're making, how work is going, whether or not you've got the gym body and lost the weight you wanted, well, great. But as soon as that stops or you lose that, Guess what? You're going to feel bored, unhappy, and restless again. It brings you right back to your baseline. Those things are not sustainable and enduring. You can't hold on to those things forever, and you will anxiously try to if those are the basis of your happiness. So instead, we have to focus internally and less on these physical pleasures, these sensations, these senses, these things we can hold, the things we can purchase, the things we can own. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who built their life on that stuff, how they look, what they own, what kind of car they're driving, and that is a losing battle. You will age. You will have injuries and accidents and disabilities. You will have your finances and the economy shift and change. And when your worth and your happiness and your self-confidence and your self-esteem is tied to these things that are not stable, your happiness and mental health is not stable. And when you lose all or some of those things, then you've got nothing to look to or to depend on in order to feel of worth and value and to feel happy, that is really problematic. And that's why the internal stuff, our perspectives and our abilities, the attitudes, those are things that we can count on. Those are the things that will always be with us. And that's why I talk a lot about figuring out what your ethics and your values are and live a life rooted in that. Live your life rooted in your value system, a life of purpose and meaning, and that will never be tied to the possessions you have. A lot of that is about what you're doing with your time and the relationships you have, because again, there are there's no research that will tell you, ah, you know, you know, if you get if you get a raise, you'll just be happy for the rest of your life. If you get the car of your dreams, you'll be happy for the rest of your life, because we know that that doesn't happen. And the research on lottery winners demonstrated that clearly that there's a burst of joy that stays with them for weeks or months, and then they hit their normal baseline, and they start spending based on their new income and everything balances out again. And they're left still with their crappy personality, with their negative perspectives on the world, still in their bad marriages, still accept, you know fill in the blanks, and we're still the same people. It's just different, but we carry that with us. And that's why that change is internal. And that's why if I'm working with someone who's feeling depressed, we wanna look at their attitudes and perspectives, the way they're perceiving the world, self, others, and future. You know, what are they looking at? What are they focusing on? What are they expecting? Often it's very external and we have a fantasy that these certain things, if we change them or work on them, will give us happiness. It just doesn't work like that. Um, All right. We're going to, when we come back, we're going to finish up a discussion on the science of happiness and uh, then we'll be closing out on some DMs. So still time, if you got a question, to put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And if there's a topic you want us to hit, something maybe you want us to circle back to Drop Deeper In, also put that on our Loveline IG page in the DMs. And past episodes of the show always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line. You can click on it and you can binge, post, re-listen, and share. It's all about the uh, unlearning and then relearning of better perspectives, and then we gotta you know take that out and apply that in our lives. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and just finishing up our discussion on happiness. Drum roll. We got one last piece of research to look at, and I love this one. Uh, brought this onto the show a long time ago. A big piece of research was done. This is born out of positive psychology. The work uh, back in my old hometown, Philadelphia University, Pennsylvania, Dr. Marty Seligman put together uh, positive psychology. It's a field of study, research, theory, never really took off, although, you know, it found its place a little bit, but it was looking at three things that all people that are reported to be the happiest, what do they have? We don't know if it's causation correlation, if because they're happy, they have this or if because they have this, it made them happy, but it's really worth looking at. They have three things. What do you think the three things are that the happiest people have? What do you think? First one is relationality. They have relationships in their lives. doesn't necessarily mean a committed primary married partner. It's not about marriage or love necessarily. It's just about having people who mirror back the important parts of you and that you feel safe and comfortable with. They have access to community and individuals. We also know through trauma research that that's one of the number one indicators as to whether or not someone will thrive, survive, or get post-traumatic stress disorders, whether or not they have access to other people and how immediately they can have access to other people. Relationality saves us and soothes us. We are better off because of the people in our lives. We have what we call barred functioning. Our functioning increases because of them. We also have them help co-regulate us. When we're in difficult times, we tend to reach out and want to be around others. That's why we take someone with us to the dentist. That's why we go you know, sit with someone when we're maybe processing bad news. So they have relationality. The next thing they have, drum roll, is they have meaning and purpose in their life. Now the big word they use is career, but it doesn't mean it has to be anything that's income generating. It just means you have something in your life and there's qualities that aren't necessary for it to meet the criteria of career. We need a different word for it, but we'll go with it. You have something in your life that you are consistently participating in. It leaves you after you do it feeling like you've done something meaningful and it requires the use of what they call signature strengths, the parts of you that you value the most. If you value your artistic side and your job is something that requires numbers, that will not meet the criteria, that is not career. You would then have to find something. Now again, career doesn't mean you get paid for it, it doesn't mean it happens at an office, it doesn't care when, where, or how, it just means there is something you participate in that is consistent, you walk away feeling like you did something of worth and value and you use your signature strengths it might be a hobby it might be volunteer work it might be education i don't know but you have to have something in your life where you are called upon to use the important meaningful parts of yourself your intellect philosophy your hands your creativity numbers music art whatever is most meaningful to you that are your skills those are signature strengths you use them and you consistently participate in whatever this process or activity is and you walk away feeling like you did something so if on the weekend you spend your time making music or art bam there it is you have career It gives you purpose and meaning it might not be where you pay your bills or make your money not everyone gets to have their job meet this criteria but if you can by all means that would make it even better so that was the second thing that they have in their lives so if your job is not something that makes you feel like you did something meaningful, or it's not consistent, or it doesn't utilize your signature strengths. You need to find that elsewhere in addition or change it. And then what do you think the final and last one is that they have? Notice none of this has to do with money. None of this has to do with how hot their body is or their body shape or size. None of this has to do with what they own, whether they own the newest, coolest sneakers or iPhone, has nothing to do with any of that. The third one is they have some sense of spirituality. Yeah, why? Spirituality gives us ethics and values. It gives us a barometer to make decisions. It tells us how good of a person we are. It gives us character. It also for a lot of us, gives us a tool to cope in difficult times. That's absolutely part of it. We have something to turn to. We have a skill set, a toolbox. But again, it also gives us direction. It gives life meaning. It takes black and white life and adds color. It gives us a reason for being here, a reason for doing what we're doing. Find spirituality, whether religion or otherwise spirituality doesn't have to be religiously based or institutionally based at all. It can be your own beliefs on life, the world, universe, spirit, God, whatever it is, but find access to that. Cause the research shows the happiest people have relationships, that career that we talked about all those different qualifications and then spirituality so examine do i have those three things how often am i participating with those three things how elf how healthy and accessible are those three things is one element of those lacking or needing a little more you know resilience robustness or attention paid to it work on that also if you're not feeling happy keep checking in on those things and go back to the factors we talked about earlier in the show having gratitude being able to find positives in some situations and also living a life rooted in kindness and generosity warms my heart that these are all what happiness is built upon. Again, it has nothing to do with your income. It has nothing to do with how tall you are. It has nothing to do with your body shape and size. It has nothing to do with who you own. It has nothing to do with how cool you are or how hot you are. It has to do with the internal stuff, which is also what we have the most ability to work on. I'm thankful for that. And if you address and work on all these different factors, that's what gives us happiness. So, um, it is but a state of mind, essentially, as they do say. So, I'm here for it, y'all. All right, coming up next, I'm going to be sliding into those DMs. So, if you've got a question for us or a topic you want us to hit, circle back to, drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Loveline Edgy page. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around.
0: Selling a little or a lot?
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. (sighs)
4: Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.
3: Oh, Rachel, we're back. We got a DM.
4: Sliding into the DMs.
3: Let's slide on into them. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm starting to take a look at how I respond to people. Love it. Anytime any human being says I'm, I'm looking at something, I'm working on myself, I'm tracking something, Awesome, because most people are just working on nothing. And if you don't know what you're working on, then you're not working on anything. And we all have work to do. And a healthy individual can say, hey, I'm working on being less aggressive. I'm working on patience. I'm working on softening. I'm working on forgiveness and forgiving the person that cuts me off, the person that spills coffee, coffee on me. I'm working on being a better partner and here's what I'm focusing on. If you don't have specifics, then you're working on nothing. And there's nothing scarier and more dangerous than people that aren't working on themselves or aware of themselves don't be that person so your question started off awesome you said I'm taking a look at how I respond to people that means you are mindful and conscious that there is something off about your responses great this is a good sign and you said I tend to apologize a lot okay you might be a little bit of a people pleaser you said I was even in the store the other day someone bumped into me and I (laughs) said sorry people have pointed it out to me in the past but just kind of brushed it off but now I'm realizing that I really do apologize for everything even things I really shouldn't be. The only reason I can think of is that most of my life, I felt like a burden. Since I'm a foster kid, is this normal feeling? Yeah, for a lot of people that aren't necessarily centered in our culture, that can be very traumatic and they can feel like they have to earn space or earn their right into existence or that yes, they are maybe a burden and that can come from a lot of different elements. Um, someone who might be adopted, a foster child, someone. I mean, there's so many different reasons as to why someone would feel as though they don't have a right to just occupy space or give voice to something. And people-pleasing can be the result of all of that. It can also be a result of being raised in families and around friends where no one actually practices healthy boundaries or healthy assertion. Um, Or you've been around people where They were narcissistic and always prioritized themselves and centered themselves, and so you learned how to take a back seat. I mean, there's so many reasons as to why that happens. So is it normal? Sure, of course, but I'm glad you're working on it because that can be very minimizing. It's not enhancing of our self-worth and self-esteem. And there's a really beautiful level of softness, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about always prioritizing the needs and comforts of other people, such as someone bumps into you and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. So work on being more assertive, which means only owning your own behavior And if someone bumps into you, saying nothing. And when they say, I'm sorry, saying something like, thank you for apologizing. You know, even lean more into and let people take accountability for what they need to take accountability for. In fact, with the clients I work with who are working on not people pleasing, uh, we work on actively allowing them to disappoint and frustrate other people, which is a sign of really not people pleasing. In fact, you're willing to disappoint and frustrate people, but you have to trust that those people will stick around for that and that those people really are healthy enough to stay. Some relationships are only built on other people's needs, but a healthy relationship is one where like, I'm going to keep using this wording, a healthy relationship is one where we can disappoint and frustrate the other person. And they allow that and accept that because they realize that you are allowed to set boundaries where you might say to them, I can't. Uh, leave work early to help you. Or I know I told you I'd take you to the airport on Saturday, but something else came up and I'm gonna have to ask you to find another ride. And the friend will be like, I understand that, I'm bummed, I'm disappointed, but yes, you you know, pro, you know, focus on whatever it is that came up. That's a healthy, good person where it can't always be about them. They allow it to sometimes be about you. So keep practicing that. Um, again, that's a vital part of mental health and self-esteem. And it'll also start to enhance a, a sense of, um, yeah, just work on that. I don't want to take it much further uh for the sake of time but you know remember we often need to see ourselves treated a certain way to feel valued you know self-esteem and uh, self-worth are reflected back to us but you have to be a part of creating the dynamics that allow for that and you're not doing that and so you're kind of perpetuating the wrong thing so actively challenge that but props to you for just being aware of yourself like i said i challenge everyone to really ask themselves what should i be working on as a partner what is my relationship my marriage or you know, my family need from me? What, is, what do my employees and colleagues need from me as a boss or as a you know coworker? And, you know, what do I need from myself? <laughs> and it's always focused on others, right? We we know how good of a driver we are based on the comfort of the passenger. Well we know how good of a boss we are, how good of a parent we are, how good of a friend we are, how good of a husband or wife we are based on the mental health and comfort of this these others that we are impacting. So, pay attention to that. All right, y'all, that is our show. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, please be kind to yourselves and those around you. Drop the bar. We're doing 70% max. We're not trying to live in burnout. Thanks for hanging out. Enjoy the rest of your night, y'all. Have a good night. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only
2: $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.